0: Welcome to Consumer Connections, a podcast series brought to you by Scylla. I'm your host, James Pikeway, and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Faisal Khan. Consumer Connections is your guide to navigating the ins and outs of marketing and insights with a special focus on the Arab world and its global implications. We're thrilled to introduce you to a range of experts and leaders from the domains of strategy, marketing, and insights who will share their thoughts and real-life experiences with us. The theme of this podcast is marketing in the Arab region versus the rest of the world. Faisal, who is our guest? Today, I'm delighted
1: to introduce you to Rochika Kalra, a distinguished marketing and brand specialist. Rochika has honed her skills across the globe, starting with Unilever and Red Bull in Dubai, then moving to Red Bull's global marketing role in Austria. Her journey continued in London with Reckitt as a global marketing manager for Durix and presently she serves as the brand director for LastMinute.com. I had the opportunity to work with Ruchika during her Red Bull tenure and can vouch for her extraordinary marketing acumen. Beyond her professional accomplishments, she's a passionate advocate for diversity and inclusion, formerly heading the Global Disability Group at Reckitt, and co-founding Wings of Angels, an NGO empowering people with disabilities. Get ready for an insightful conversation with the exceptional Ruchika Kalra.
0: Rachika, this is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast with us today. I want to kick off with with a question about your journey so far, because as we've been saying, Unilever, Red Bull, Wreck-It and Durex, brand director now for LastMinute.com, Dubai, Austria, London, what a career. Walk us through how this has all come about.
2: So um, if I think of it, some of it were very conscious choices and some of it, was life happening. Um, so I think when it comes to the choice of brands, uh, I started my career with Unilever, which I think was a fantastic school of, of of just getting the base right. So I think a lot of my marketing basics are right because of my time at Unilever. Um, and, then, and then when Red Bull happened, I think that's when uh, the transformational understanding of brands happened. Because what happens is when you are a big brand like Unilever and you have a lot of money and you have a lot of clout, the way you do marketing is very different from when you're a young brand like red bull and i think if i think of brands in the history of you know brands that have existed i think red bull is probably an iconic brand and so to be a part of of that system to understand why it performs the way it performs was was uh, revolutionary in my like my career journey and 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 why i'm saying this is and uh, i'm probably you kind know, of talk more through this um, you know in the rest of the podcast but it's one brand that's so authentic that from the kind of people it selects to work in the brand um to you know the culture internally to everything that externally all the way to like I was sitting in Dubai it's headquartered in Austria all the way to how the brand looks in a small grocery store in Dubai is something that has been thought through and that has been strategized now it's not it's not that No one has the ability to kind of um, localize it through those steps, but it's all very connected. So, you know, that was Red Bull. And that's what I kind of learned through my time at Red Bull. Um, And then I think um, when I moved on to join Durex, um, it was, again, an exciting journey. I think Durex was at a point where it was rethinking and reestablishing itself. So I think Durex was a very young brand that that did fabulously well that i mean still is a market leader across uh, you know some of the key countries in the world however along the way as a brand it started losing its um i wouldn't say equity but um a lot of small smaller players started having very strong propositions and kind of eating away so it was a brand that was trying to suddenly appeal to everyone from a brand that kind of stood very strongly for certain principles and what I was again, a part of was revamping or rethinking about what the core of the brand was and reestablishing ourselves to go back to the core. So uh, again, and int- I happened to be in that phase of Durex rethinking, repackaging itself. I don't know if the, uh, you've, you've probably closely observed, but the, there's a completely new package on ground um, when it comes to Durex, so I was a part of that journey and then having worked with very big brands uh, you know very iconic brands through my life um, i actually wanted to kind of put all of this to action so uh, you know kind of put all my learnings to the forefront and uh, that's how lastminute.com came about like i consciously wanted to at this point of time in my career work for a younger organization uh, almost a different field which is tech something i've never done before um, to see how I can bring about principles that I've acquired from my consumer good understanding uh, to this industry, which is very performance marketing driven, which is all about, you know, your Google clicks and your performance ads. So how do you in an industry, uh, which is so focused in performance marketing, then kind of come about and and build those strong credentials? And luckily for me, um, you know, I mean, uh, again, for the understanding of the audiences, lastminute.com is not is not a young player in the sense that in the internet world it's existed for about 25 years and over the years it's been acquired by various travel companies and over the years it's again somehow lost its um, credentials as the quirky authentic British brand that it originally was and the work that I'm doing with last minute in some ways is again very similar to you know picking up the learnings from red bull picking up the learnings from Durex and kind of uh, applying it here so that's been the journey in terms of the brand front or the the choices or the, the 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 kind of roles i've undertaken and i think from a geographical perspective i mean dubai is home dubai is where my family is so you know i've spent i've spent most of my life in the uae um and then uh There was an exciting role in the global headquarters of Austria um, with Red Bull, um, and and there was no reason to kind of say no to that. However, it was a very adventurous choice at that point of time. Uh, I am married. My husband was in Dubai, and I still remember the conversation when this role happened. So I, I, I asked him, I said, you know, what do you think? Should I interview for it? And he said, listen, I mean, it's just an interview. Go for it, and then we'll figure out when it happens and it happened so quickly that actually you know two rounds three rounds of interviews in i already knew it's happening so i went back i said you know you still have a job in dubai this is almost coming through how do we make this happen and this was pre covid and we you know and pre covid and pre kid so you know really adventurous in this point of time and we say you know he says go ahead take this job in austria i'll probably find a job somewhere in europe so not even like you know Austria itself because he he's a he was a consultant at that point of time he knew he doesn't know the language so and he said we'll meet in a new european city every weekend and then that's what our plan was you know and 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 now when i'm saying it out loud i know it sounds really super adventurous but we said okay let's do it so i reach austria in this little village <laughs> in the middle of nowhere so i'm talking about 20 minutes away from salzburg so it was literally in the middle of nowhere a beautiful village but no people around right uh, by myself and my husband was still in dubai at this point so a very early, like it was um, it was a big shift i've i was born in delhi grew up in the abu dhabi dubai so lots of people big city life to this completely different little town that i moved into Um, um, So while from a career front, I think it was a very exciting move, also very quickly and very early on, I knew that uh, I have to find my way back either into a big city and also find my way back um, to Vikram and I being in the same city. So from a personal perspective, then London started making more sense. And then that's how London happened. And then I've been here for about, uh, what, a little over three, four, three, four years now. So, yeah, that's the journey on the, the, the switch of geographies.
0: What what really excites me about this whole story you've just shared with us is the connection to this region and the fact that you're so firmly rooted here. We're really curious how your your experience from the Arab region from the GCC has influenced what you've been doing beyond here.
2: So I think I think what. You know, being based out of Dubai gave me is a very strong understanding of how things work, one from a local perspective and from a regional perspective. Now, what happens is somehow when you move into global roles, um, just from the nature of how most FMCGs are, uh, you know, set up some of your biggest markets are the European markets or uh, North America, for example. So while there is an extreme desire to amplify and grow in the Middle East and Africa, um, you almost in global roles lean very heavily on um, the local markets for that complete understanding. So I think, uh, again, from, from that perspective, where I probably had an added advantage is a complete understanding of the developing world markets, um, um, you know, the emerging markets, which are very, very different um, in terms of on-ground execution when it comes to brands. However, if I, think of, if I think of people and marketing in general, the one thing I've kind of realized in terms of principles that we are all almost the same. So, uh, you know, when I, when I think of, say, for example, if I pick up Durex, you know, the most controversial brand that I've kind of worked on. Now, when we moved into the global role, uh, when I, when I moved into the global role, the one big thing that kind of kept popping up is that the Middle East is a very, very different market because it's also very um, conservative in its way of thinking. Sex has a very different meaning, etc. cetera. However, when you kind of we, we did this massive piece of consumer research to understand consumers from a psychographic perspective. And what we recognized is that there are different types of consumers, but without getting into too much detail, um, there's a consumer group called open and curious. Now these are these, you know, consumers who are pushing the boundaries, questioning things and and, and kind of uh, pushing the edge, etc. cetera. Now open and curious, for North America, or for you know, say the UK, or or some of the other European countries, could mean very different things than for what it means in the Middle East. But having said that, that segment exists. That means that they might be, for example, challenging some very, you know, like equal. Like if you know, we did a campaign, I'm, and I'm probably jumping from Middle East to India suddenly, for an example we did a campaign about the equality of orgasm for women. And now that is the level of open and curious in a country like India. In North America, it might be uh, the equality of rights for different communities. So it might mean different things, but it is still the same principle. So to your question about what I picked up is I, I thought going into this role that I would probably have a very um, different set of uh, things happening in these markets. But I think uh, the strength kind of starts happening when you connect all these dots together and realize that the brand is at an advantage when it plays globally, yet locally. So, you know.
1: I think that's a beautiful thought, uh, Ruchika, uh, because I think. Uh-oh. with the experience you've got across different markets, you talked about Indian consumers, you talked about the Middle East, Austria, European, London. I think the basic human insight is the same, right? So a lot of things are premised, like you, the word you use as principles. And the, the, the basic principles, the fundamental principles of human beings and hence marketing uh, would be would be similar across. But then it's those manifestations that you pick out, those nuances you pick out across the different markets where you'd probably kind of, make some tweaks around your uh tactical tweaks around the marketing strategies to kind of adopt to those markets
2: so I think I think um what happens sometimes is we we we, we kind of segment this you know markets very differently and then start treating them differently but when it comes to data collection I think. The, the strength lies is when you can overlay the maps or the insights of the types of consumers and say, okay, what are the commonalities, and then define them as a consumer group. So, you know, this big, big piece of research that I mentioned just uh, about Durex, for example, it was exactly that. So we, the, the research was done across several regions in the world. And then the big challenge back was, okay, how do we now map all of this together to identify, um, you know, what are the commonalities, and then let's term these consumer groups based on the commonalities versus based on the differences. And then I think if I think of the time at Durex or the time at Red Bull, you know, what it had was very strong principles of what the brand can do and cannot be touched. Like here, I'm talking about Red Bull, right? You cannot, for example, we Red Bull were never going to um, uh, researching gives you wings. Gives you wings is a tagline, but what it would research is what gives you wings would mean for a market like Middle East versus a market like North America, and it could mean very different things. What it would kind of spend its time on kind of, you know, localizing is how would this translate into events that could be very, very different for for North America versus Middle East, but the principles of those events would still remain the same that it has to be an authentic Red Bull event, it has to have uh, the brand personality coming out, Uh, it cannot be your mass cliche events that every brand is sponsoring. So those principles remain untouched, but then there was a strong element of what could be touched. And I think those are the brands that then start appearing very authentic as well, because while there's a connection with the local audiences, uh, from a global perspective, they're still very tight down and very, you know, authentic in what they're standing for.
1: Very nice to actually also hear out some specific, uh, I mean, you've been talking about the similarities and differences in the marketing strategies you did in, let's say, adopted in the Middle East versus in Austria or other markets, whether that was for uh, Red Bull or Durex. Any examples of, you remember very evidently, of the kind of activities Initiatives or tactics that are adopted and work really well in Middle East, and those that actually work there.
2: Uh, let me pick up an example that I touched upon earlier in the conversation, which was uh, Durex. Durex was launching um, Mutual Climax, uh, which is a condom uh, for for both partners for the pleasure of both partners. However, for the longest time, I think uh, you know, when it comes to um, when it comes to the voice of the woman. Uh, It's not as strong in regions like um, the Middle East, uh, Southeast Asia, et cetera. Having said that, that was a historical perception. I think more and more women are becoming more and more vocal when it comes to topics, uh, not just when it comes to sex, but I think when it comes to topics in general. Um, And so kind of taking on that insight uh, for mutual climax, the focus was influencers um, who women influencers who went out there and spoke about their experiences when it comes to sex. And that conversation, because it's such a big conversation, kind of had a very natural organic talkability to it. So this was even ahead of the launch of the product. Uh, Women kind of stepped up and there were insights, right, about 70% women don't climax during sex. And women started speaking about this and started talking about the inequality when it comes to sex. Um, and then all of this conversation, when it was organically being picked up or being spoken about, was probably the right time to set ground to launch a product like Mutual Climax for Turex. Um, so on 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 your question, uh, you know, on campaigns that work well, I think it's about being a little edgy, but also every campaign does not specifically always have to tie down to the product from the start. There has to be a little bit of build up, and I think insights. Um, you know, that, again, are able to help you take those kind of bold steps um, are the ones then that eventually help result in campaigns that effectively won And Mutual Climax for India is probably one of the most successful launches when it comes to uh, the brand Durex So that's an example of something, you know, that was very, very localized, but it was still pushing the boundaries from a global perspective. It was a consumer that is edgy, that is ready to step up um, and then it kind of tied down all together to the launch of a product
0: based on your experience what do you find differentiates marketing in this particular region as compared to the other regions that you've been talking about including india
2: i'll talk about two things when it comes to there there are two elements in the sense that uh, the way things work internally versus the way things work externally when it comes to the consumer I think the emotional aspect of the consumer, the family value, the cultural traditions remain extremely important. However, there's also a very strong shift happening. Consumers are getting more savvy, more aware of their rights, of trends. And uh, I think it's an interesting time when it comes to marketing, because you're not just speaking, you know, because if I think of, 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 of the perception of the region, people think this is a certain type of consumer that is probably more conservative, that's probably more tied down to the family, full stop. But uh, I feel the consumer in the region is not unidimensional. There is multi-dimensions to their personality, and they might be tied down to the family, but then they also um, are looking for new experiences. They are also going out there and, you know, kind of uh, standing up for things that they haven't stood for before. So I think when it comes to the consumer in the region, how, how, how marketing is different is, I think internationally brands need to recognize that the, the region is not one big region, is not one unidimensional region, and it has many layers to it. And the more brands kind of start unraveling these layers and start treating consumers more from a psychographic perspective, I think the more we will start winning with consumers within the region. Um, So that's one aspect of it. I think also how marketing differs, I think there's an element of internal management as well. I think a lot of uh, international brands I'm talking about are not headquartered in Dubai. So what that takes on is a little bit of um, a round of approvals that you sometimes need to run for edgy campaigns. And so you almost sometimes miss the boat because if I'm talking about an internet trend, and if I'm talking about uh, you know, a quick reaction campaign, if you need to go back and speak to headquarters and speak to international teams, by the time you come back to execute it, you've missed the boat. So I think also from that perspective, how marketing is different is that sometimes it's very methodical, planned, rehearsed kind of marketing versus reactive marketing. Because the internal setups are not empowered enough to make those uh, reactive decisions. However, brands that are winning are the ones that have kind of set these things up internally, that X decision can be taken by local markets, and Y decision, you need to still consult with the international teams.
0: Okay, I want to link together these two questions. You've spoken about Durex in India and how this campaign really worked well. We've just spoken about how this region can be a little bit different and what needs to be done to to think about marketing in it, can you think of any marketing campaigns that have been done in this region that unfortunately, because of what you've just been speaking about, haven't really hit the mark so
2: i'm 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 thinking about campaigns in general right like and 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 let me let me tell you a little bit barring Ramadan campaigns, which we probably spend a big time of Um, you know as as a marketeer in the region you know Ramadan is big you know it's uh you know a time when people go out there and shop so every single brand definitely have their Ramadan campaign right but outside of the Ramadan campaign until it's a big launch that's happening I think most campaigns are not uh, thinking um reactive and native and 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 i'm probably being very um, general I've, I've been out of the region for five years now so please excuse me if i've missed out on some exciting campaigns but let's let's think of channels on on social right we have i'm thinking dubai we have you have time out Dubai. you have love in dubai which are at the helm of um, you know some of the social work that's happening there's so many influencers within the region right when we're talking about things like tiktok um who can actually be speaking on behalf of brands in a very reactive way um but somehow uh, you know some of those big reactive ideas that are being picked up from social and being converted into products are not happening in the region but are happening outside of the region so giving you one example uh There was a a vodka and Heinz collaboration recently where on TikTok, someone said, you know, this would make a great pasta sauce. And then they both collaborated, picked that up and came up with a product. Now, imagining a scale of campaign like this within the region becomes very difficult because of, you know, all the reasons I just mentioned. So the smaller companies, for example, the local companies probably have power to do something like that, but are not sitting on those kind of budgets. And the companies that are sitting on those kind of budgets have not empowered their regional teams enough to say, hey, there was a social trend. You can launch an innovation in six months or in three months based on that social trend because there's such a line of approval that follows through. So, yeah, I've kind of not answered your question completely, but, you know, given a more general response to it.
1: Uh, Ruchika, you mentioned about interesting, you talked about uh, uh, and touched upon the social media channels. Uh, I spoke about... uh... TikTok in specific, and of course we've got Instagram, Meta Properties, um, Snapchat, etc. How's that social media options of campaigning and marketing changed your way of working and doing things?
2: So I think when it first launched, you know, I was I've I've interestingly been a marketeer when Facebook was still a big thing. So you know, we were very excited. If if I if I if I think of my time at Unilever, we were very excited because we launched something big on Facebook, and then Facebook moved to Instagram, and then tiktok and you know all of that i think when it comes to social media sadly enough i think most of us are still not as marketeers fully cracked it and i'll tell you why once upon a time and we you know and i'm talking 10 years ago social media was an added um kind of uh, platform you would think of so you think tv radio social media however today i think Really, we are living in a time, you cannot be thinking of social media as an add-on. Every campaign, every idea that, that comes from a marketing perspective should have a social first lens, right? Like how would this land on that screen of you know Instagram or, or that screen of TikTok? But not just that. I think the second question here is how, why would people share it? Because you're sitting and talk trying to talk about your brand and I'm not talking about paid ads here. You're sitting and trying to talk about your brand in a in a place where people are there for entertainment their their attention span is not more than three to four seconds and so you have to find a creative way to be a part of their lives and that cannot happen if you're trying to push a paid ad with a product only approach um, so everything that we then think every campaign that we first think of has to be like okay it has to be organically entertaining or organically emotional or organically funny and yet has to have an element of the brand kind of seeping in so to your question about you know from from a social media perspective i think marketers firstly need need to have that big lens but secondly also i think sadly on social media a lot of things are just big buzzwords that we don't fully translate or understand. So what I mean by that is when TikTok started taking traction from you know other social media platforms, everyone got excited about TikTok, but very few brands have still fully cracked TikTok because just opening another social media channel and putting up the same content that you probably originally planned for Instagram or even sometimes of Facebook will not start appealing to audiences on TikTok. So then you are just another brand page. So I think I think when it comes to social media, the understanding of why each platform should exist, like what's the purpose behind it, uh, and then what role can you play as a brand to be a part of the consumer's life on that platform outside of your product advertisements is the second question I think that we probably need to start answering um, as as brands.
1: I'm just thinking aloud here, Ruchika, but for example, uh, a brand like Durex, and for the for the cultural and the taboo around the topic of sex or orgasm that you were speaking about a while back in the middle east would social media be a very important channel to kind of reach out to individuals where they're able to access content that's not necessarily like it for it's, it's meant for individual consumption
2: absolutely and i think when it, i think interestingly out of all the brands that i've worked the one brand that has a very organic existence on social media is probably durex and i'll tell you why Um, people are talking about sex on the internet people are talking about sex on instagram on different platforms it's just durex then starts having a role to play very organically Um, you know just talking about social media let me give you an example Um, you know gifs giphy is a platform and brands can um launch their own gifs and uh again from an insight, because consumers are talking about sex, uh when we spoke to Giphy, we recognized that hashtag Durex, hashtag sex are you know often used and gifts are often exchanged when it comes to um, you know when it comes to these keywords. So A brand like Durex has such an organic place to play that even without us existing, a brand exists. And so it becomes important for the brand to kind of step in and start being a part of that conversation effectively, one from a prospect, you know, from a brand perspective, but even from a purpose perspective. Because, again, this brand has a very strong role to play in the society. Um, Sex education is not that predominant. People's perception of sex is so diluted. That um, a brand like Durex can not just be there to have fun and entertain, but also educate, and uh, you know, uh, and that, that's exactly what the brand has been doing on its social media platforms. Um, so I think brands like Durex probably have the the easiest, if I may say so, role to play on social media. However, when it comes to a brand like uh, a Red Bull, an energy drink, right? Uh, why should people even? look at it on social media right but that's another interesting example of how they have transformed the conversation beyond their product to their bigger purpose to the thing that ties it all which just gives you wings and literally if you go to red bull social media you have limited you you, you do see the product but you have limited inf- things about the product you have more about you know people jumping off a cliff people enjoying themselves at a party but yet it all happens to kind of tie down and establish the credentials of the brand. And that's only because the brand has been set up in a way that kind of uh, does that effectively. Um, So social media has a very strong role to play, but most brands don't know what to do. So they either become very functional, start pushing their product, Or they become so emotional and vague without having any credentials completely tying into the brand that they almost lose their way. And the brands that kind of do it well are able to balance the two in a way that they're able to exist in a space where consumers are looking out for something completely different, yet are able to become an organic part of the conversation.
0: Ruchika, how how is AI starting to play into what you're doing?
2: Talking about AI, I think AI is a new buzzword. which everyone's uh, kind of jumping on. And I think um, outside of the PowerPoint presentations that we've all been using AI for, I think where AI has started to play a role from a creative perspective is supporting, obviously in terms of copy, image designing, et cetera. But I think moving forward, um, AI will start playing a much stronger role, even in terms of um, assessing and analyzing uh, consumer sentiment. I mean, historically, it was uh, such a big. I mean, if you if you think of sources, you have enough and more sources, right? Like your Amazon reviews are a very deep insight um, uh, already. Uh, if you think of uh, the tech industry, your Google reviews, your uh, TrustPilot reviews are all sharing a lot of information. However, um, from a from a from a insight perspective, because it's just so much data, converting all of this into anything actionable becomes a lot of manual work and I think maybe that's why there's been a big gap so I think moving forward I think I see a lot of consumer sentiment analysis being very real time and then marketeers taking advantage of that um to be able to effectively confirm uh you know the work that they're doing is either making sense or not and hopefully quickly adapt to it as well
1: that's a beautiful example you gave Rochika because uh Uh, Recently, we were doing some work around using uh, AI about uh, on plant-based and what people think about plant-based, and typically you would rely on social media data, but in the specific case, the most richness of data came actually from Amazon reviews and Google reviews, especially Amazon, where they were talking about product-specific experiences, about right from the taste to to the viscosity, to the aftertaste, and... And we kind of gathered that in millions of data points and, you know, whether that's emotions associated or, you know, what are the kind of positioning strategies? What are the white spaces around that specific uh, category? It was for, for milk, plant-based milk. And it kind of threw up a lot of uh, brilliant results. And you're right, you know, so there's so many sources of data and AI can actually tap into whether that's Amazon reviews, Google reviews, ratings, uh, in the travel sector, for example, all your third-party platforms. So there's, there's a lot of richness and I think AI really comes in handy in that.
0: I'd like to change gears just for a second because we've been talking about marketing. We've been talking about your marketing career. And built into all this is the fact that you still managed to find time to be the co-founder of Wings of Angels, an NGO that's empowering people with disabilities. Tell us a little bit about Wings of Angels and how you've managed with what you're doing to found this NGO,
2: it's a personal passion project, and that's primarily because my my younger sister, who's also my best friend, um, is a wheelchair user. My my father has an amputated leg, and um, my mother very closely works with the uh, people, um, you know. Children who have um, special educational needs. Um, so, so disability is something that I've seen very closely all around me, and I think Wings of Angels specifically kind of emerged from from our own personal issues of of um, not being able to access places uh, together, my sister and I, and so we decided to do something about it, and that's how Wings of Angels kind of came into play. Um, we then just got a bunch of friends together, walked around the city convince people to build ramps uh, and then the ramps started popping up and I think a big big uh, factor that was missing was uh, the awareness and understanding. I think people think people with disabilities um, is almost a non-existent segment um, or you know it um, probably is not something uh, that's that's big in terms of numbers etc but interestingly, one billion people in the world according to world health organization have some form of a disability which means if it this was a hypothetical continent it would almost be as big as africa i mean it would be almost be as big as africa or we're talking about countries like india and china so we're talking about huge numbers it's just that you don't see people with disabilities around you primarily because of two reasons one because of the lack of access so if you're not enabling them to go out there and access places, how do you imagine to see them outside? And two, a lot of disabilities are hidden disabilities. So you might not know that this person has a disability, but uh, it exists. So what I think everyone needs to start becoming more aware of is that uh, it's not something we can shy away from or brush it on the carpets or say, hey, when you visit our restaurant, you know, we lift your sister up. That's not OK. We need to go out there as organizations, as uh, individuals, and start spreading the awareness so that places start having all of these accessibility uh, infrastructure in place, so that more and more people can actually start living a full-fledged life that they deserve to live.
1: Uh, Ruchiki, you want to just touch upon uh, the achievements you've managed, especially here in this region. I know there's been a lot of hard work that's gone, and the number of ramps that have been, have been, you know, extraordinary high.
2: So we've managed to build about thousand wheelchair ramps. But I think what 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 also, uh, you know, I think we're proud of is, I think the second thing that we're currently working on is connecting people with disabilities with the right jobs. So we've started working with organizations uh, where they're open to hiring people with disabilities and then kind of advertising that in our network. Um, and I think, um, you know, if I think of, another aspect is just shobika my younger sister as a living example of what you know you can do when you have the right uh, basic infrastructure in place yesterday shobika did a skydive. Um, and i think um, you know when just living and looking at shobika live her life i think probably is 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 enough awareness for people to recognize that people with disabilities have uh, a lot of untapped potential and uh, of course for Shobika, you know she is uh, able to do all of this uh, with a lot of support but then it should not be the case it should be status quo um, and and so in terms of achievements I think uh, even Shobika just living her life the way she's living her life as a tiktok influencer with 100k followers kind of makes me believe that every person with disability um, uh, will and achieve their maximum potential uh, if if we kind of work with the right support and infrastructure that has to be given. So, yeah,
1: it was great uh, catching up, Ruchika. Thank you so much for sparing the time.
2: Thank you, Faisal.
1: Thank you, Ruchika.
0: It's been great meeting you.
2: Yeah, same here, James.
0: You have been listening to Consumer Connections, a podcast series brought to you by Scylla. The theme of this episode, marketing in the Arab region versus the rest of the world. Our guest has been Ruchika Kalara brand director at lastminute.com.